I didn't know I'd be here. I didn't know I would be with my husband who was part of that abortion still. I didn't know that we would end up married and have additional children and be serving in ministry together. Yes. So we look at where we're at in that moment. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Minisode, a step closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Now, let's get into today's topic. Well, welcome back to Walk in Truth, A Step Closer. This is another layer of the ministry of Walk in Truth, and this is a mini-sode on the Supreme Court decision that was leaked uh, that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned on a federal level. Before we talk about the implications of that and what that all will mean, uh, we were defining some of our terms and we were going through an acronym called LIFE. We started with the L and we talked about how life begins at conception. Logically, scientifically, we gave a few quotes from medical doctors and prestigious, uh, you know, areas and universities and uh, hospitals, etc. So there's no doubt that life begins at conception. This is the I in the acronym LIFE. This is the main issue. What is it? So here's an illustration from Greg Kokel. Let's say that you were uh, gardening, gardening in your backyard. Let's say that you were, you know, digging up some weeds and your back was turned to your two small children. One of your children, let's say a four-year-old, comes up and says, Daddy, can I kill this? Now, what's your reaction going to be? You are going to ask the question, what is it? Now, if it's their sibling, <laughs> their mm-hmm. two-year-old sibling, you're going to say, no, you can't, you can't whack your, uh, your brother or sister, right? But daddy, can I kill this? If it's a bee about to sting them, if it's a, a, maybe a dangerous uh, spider on the ground or something, yeah, you could probably stomp on that. But what is it is the critical question. Right. You would turn to the child and say, what are you talking about? What is it? If it is the brother or sister, if it is a human being, an innocent child, if you will, you're going to say absolutely not. Now, what the argument tends to be in our culture, you guys, is and, – and let me remind you, I'm here with Pastor Shane Lance and Angie Plaza, our special guests on this mini-sode. Uh, what people often do is they start talking about maybe um, how old the pregnant uh, woman is. Uh, maybe her her uh, financial uh, wherewithal to raise a child, her maturity level, etc. Uh, they may even talk about special cases. Angie, uh, you've done a lot of this type of ministry. How often? What's the percentage of rape and incest that you would say uh, cases that walk into a crisis pregnancy center, for example? I don't know per se crisis pregnancy center, but I know that uh, statistically 1% of all abortions are due to rape. Okay. And that is obviously a very traumatic situation for the the young lady. Yes. But let's just set aside the 1% for a second. Let's take the 99% because we don't want to argue from the exception, but the exception needs to be acknowledged. So if it has to do with a, a woman's age, her um, – financial wherewithal, her stage in life, do any of those have relevance once we define that a child is a child from the moment of conception? I believe no. They would have no relevance. We we wouldn't say to someone who has a two-year-old and can't take care of that two-year-old, 
outside the womb, well, just kill it. No, we would say you need assistance. You need – there are resources and people that hopefully will – prayerfully would come around you. But we don't just say get rid of it, right? Correct. So let's go back and think logically for all of you who are trying to walk through this. If life begins logically, scientifically at conception and the issue is what is the unborn, all other criteria by which we would measure this, um, which is the typical arguments like, well, are you going to take care of the child or who's going to – are really irrelevant. It doesn't mean they don't need to be addressed. But they don't justify the taking of an innocent human life. Thoughts, Pastor Sheen, on that? Well, you know, I think that we have all these arguments out there about, well, what about the woman who is raped? Um, what about uh, situations where there's incest? Um, well, maybe maybe uh, another one that I've heard is uh, danger to the, the life of the, the mother. The life of the yeah. mother, right? A threat to her life. Um let me be clear. Christians should display radical compassion yes. for any young woman that finds themselves in this situation. And I think that the church has failed at times in lacking compassion, uh, maybe with good intentions, but um, we need to be people of compassion. And we yes. need to be able to meet people where they're at and say, look, I understand how desperate the situation is. But the problem is, Angie and I were talking about this yesterday, um, what happens is when a young woman comes in, and she says, I've been raped and I want to get an abortion because I don't want to give birth to this child. What it is inevitably happening is we're, we're adding trauma to trauma. And you have seen this, Angie, in your experience mm-hmm. with counseling. Um, I have personal relationships with many women of different ages in different seasons of life who have had abortions, not to mention the men who have in these, some of these situations condoned the abortion who uh, carry deep regret Yes. And shame from these situations and these decisions that were made. And it's oftentimes um, the platform is, well, what about these these women who are in these yeah. situations? So but, let, me, let me just jump in at this point. So, But let's remember that we're still talking about the exception, the 1%, right. as opposed to the 99%. So let me just pitch it to Angie for a second. Because Angie, you have a personal testimony yes. as it relates to abortion. Yes. But you also had shared that when you worked in a crisis pregnancy center, um, the majority of the women identified as Protestant or Roman Catholic. Correct. So talk about – maybe you can weave together your experience in the the abortion or the crisis pregnancy center and your own experience having gone through an abortion and maybe how that's informed your ministry and how you interact and view this issue, interact with people and view this issue. The reason why I'm so passionate about this is because it was a decision I made myself. Um, I fell right into the statistics I feel of a majority of young girls do. Um, I came from a broken home. I was sexually abused as a child. Um, I lived in a home with an alcoholic. There was um, I had no real support system. Of course, I go looking for love in all the wrong places. I was kicked out of my house before I graduated from high school. Right after I graduated from high school, I found myself pregnant. Um, And so the people around me that I thought were my support system honestly were not. And so I basically made a really uneducated decision um, in the moment of a crisis. And I think that's what a majority of the women do is they're only thinking of themselves 
in that moment, not so much their future, maybe their future in a sense of how am I going to care for this child and all those other kind of details. But for me, it's like fast forward to where I'm at now in life. I didn't know I'd be here. I didn't know I would be with my husband who was part of that abortion still. I didn't know that we would end up married and have additional children and be serving in ministry together. Yes. So we look at where we're at in that moment. And so um, I've done sidewalk counseling. I've been in crisis pregnancy centers. And my main goal is generally just to establish a relationship with that mother and then educate her on the yes. decision she's making for herself mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And part of the part of the education process has been the ultrasound machine, which mm-hmm. has been a powerful tool uh, to protect life. I'm going to ask you another personal question. Mm-hmm. What do you think the role of shame is for a young lady that is impregnated? Maybe she, you know, I know mm-hmm. you you painted the the picture of kind of a dysfunctional household, broken. Mm-hmm. But you you also mentioned that there's a lot of professing evangelicals and Roman Catholics who wander into these places and are considering an abortion. Mm -hmm. What do you think the role of shame is for them? I think it's the hugest role in that moment and in their decision. Um, You know, if they were to choose life, they'd be walking around with their sin visibly exposed where Mm. there's so many other sins that we can kind of keep in secret and hide because we don't walk around with like, you know, a big scarlet letter on us in regards to the sin that we all Mm. are in. So are you saying that this is maybe one way we cover up? We we try mm-hmm. to get rid of the evidence, as it were, almost like da- what David did mm-hmm. with Bathsheba. He tried to eliminate the evidence, ultimately led him to murdering Uriah, mm-hmm. all in a cover-up. Yep, we cover up sin with sin. So uh, our first parents did it in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> they were hiding from God, Pastor Shane. Well, I think that um, this goes back to something I was saying earlier, which is that the church needs to do a better job of walking people through these situations. There's an unfortunate reality that I think when a young woman even is involved in a church and she gets you know, pregnant out of wedlock and she's now carrying a child and it's obviously a sin according to scripture, we know that. The question really has to be asked, what does the church do in response to that? Um, I think in a lot of it's it's pretty amazing that the statistics show that a lot of people who end up getting an abortion are are at least somewhat involved in in church and uh, have have a faith and and even probably convictions about life and what God has said about life in His Word. But I I I want to go back to something because I was saying earlier that we see all these arguments kind of propagated as, well, there's all these things that happen, incest, rape, uh, you know, danger to the life of the mother. But the overwhelming majority of abortions are done out of convenience. And that's just the the harsh reality. And you I say, probably – Say I, elective, right? Right. They, and I probably elective. just offended somebody when I said that. But that is just the reality of the situation we are in right now is most young women – who end up deciding to move forward with an abortion. I'm not talking about these exceptions that we've talked about. And of course, like we just said, we need to have deep sympathy and compassion for these young women who are walking through that. And we need to guide them with biblical truth. But most young women, when they get an abortion, their their reasoning revolves around things like, well, I wouldn't be able to afford to take care of a baby right now. 
I have big goals and aspirations. I need to finish school, whatever it may be. And it all goes back to the overarching issue here that when we do things out of order yes, and we don't do things the way that God has called us to do those things and every one of us falls short. Angie, what you just said is so important that we need to not be a church that – um, and I mean the church at large, that shames people when they're caught up in sin. But instead, we do what Jesus did, and we get down in the pit with them, and we help mm-hmm. bring them out. We need to walk people through these low moments. But we also, we cannot advocate for sin out of convenience. And if we ignore what Scripture says, we are we are also in sin now. And so we need to, I'll just say this, I know we're about out of time for this episode. I just want to plead with my peers and my fellow Christians, that we would take God's word um, at at what it is, and and I guess you could say that we would we would take the Bible at its word, and we yes. would trust that it is the finished work of Christ. And if it says that God values life even in the womb, and I could take you to dozens of scriptures where that's the case, yes. then we need to trust that God is smarter than us and has this uh, whole situation under control. And we need to trust his way of doing things, and that's really the root of this issue. So we're going to get to some of the biblical arguments in uh, the third episode, but I, I do want to acknowledge that the, the church has stepped up. Mm-hmm. Crisis pregnancy centers are yeah. are the result of um, Christians wanting to do something proactive, and I think that there's been a great impact. Yeah, and you yes. you have been involved in that, Angie. So uh, let's let's wrap up. We've we've got about a minute. Let's talk about the the what we have done well, and then we'll let that lead us into the next episode. Crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, yeah, I think that the crisis pregnancy centers, which are heavily generally funded by the churches and people of faith in communities, have done a great job at coming alongside women in crisis situations and providing that type of support, not just while she's in that crisis and trying to make a decision whether or not she's going to keep her baby, but there's after support. And I know that that's a big argument as well, too. Well, who's going to help care for these children after they're born, right? A lot of the pregnancy resource centers have amazing resources for the mother after they've had the child. You know, they help provide formula. They help provide diapers. They help provide um, parent classes, education, clothing, and all of those things free of charge. So let's acknowledge that something wonderful has taken place in the country, largely motivated once again by professing Christians wanting to do the right thing, which has historically been something overlooked by many critics of the church, is that it is the church in the trenches with a lot of folks in crisis. Definitely. And I would just say, to piggyback on what you said, Angie, um, if you're in this situation right now, let's say that this is you. You are pregnant. Uh, it, it's not what you intended. You you messed up, and now you're on you're teetering on the edge. You never thought you would consider an abortion, but now here you are. What do you do? Well, you can seek out a crisis pregnancy center, and I would encourage you: don't go to the fool. I'm going to put that in quotes. The Bible says there's foolish people and wise people to get counsel. Go to someone you trust someone who's godly, go to a crisis pregnancy center and get help. And there will be people that will treat you with compassion, with charity and love, and they'll walk you through it. So seek out a crisis pregnancy center in your town. I'm sure you can find one. And if we can help you in any way, uh, you can reach out to us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael. This is Step Closer. We're talking about the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court 
leaked decision and the implications for the church and walking through that together with an acronym called LIFE. Subscribe to the podcast today. Follow us on all your favorite platforms. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. God bless you. If we can help you in any way, reach out at contact at walkintruth.com. We'll see you on the next mini-sode for part three. Thanks for listening to A Step Closer. Let us know your thoughts on today's topic. You can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. You can also let us know a topic or question you'd like us to answer and discuss. Again, email us at contact at walkintruth.com. Thank you.